0: And welcome to episode nine of Entertainment of Excellence, the film where we talk about the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Mike.
1: I'm, I'm Thomas. Hello, Ben. Oh, look, the one time we get the intro timing right. Yeah. <laughs> bloody bloody well, I this is going to be out. the
2: one. We were so oh. close. I mean, we were, but.
1: Oh, it was so nearly a good time. Oh. oh. Oh, God. So, got today him. we're going to be discussing the movie Good Time.
2: If you hadn't guessed.
1: My very subtle transition into it. Mm-hmm. So, it's 27 movie. 27. <laughs> it is a 27, 27. movie. <laughs> this From is a
3: 27, 27.
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, it was produced in the year 27. 2017. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is a mess. Let's just... Tom, do you want to give a plot summary before any of us screw it up further? (laughs) I'll I'll give it... Okay, so it's
2: directed by the Safdie brothers, also known for uh, Uncut Gems, which came out last year. It was also like an intense crime drama. This is another crime drama thriller uh, about... The two brothers... Uh, they try and do a bank robbery it goes wrong because the money's got loads of dye on it it goes poof Uh, Robert Pattinson's brother who has some kind of mental disability gets arrested and the rest of the movie is basically about uh, Robert Pattinson or his character
4: it's called Connie trying to get the bail to get him out of prison yeah so that's the general idea yeah that's pretty nice (laughs) Yep.
2: <laughs> what were your uh, general thoughts when, like, at the end? Did you like it?
1: Yeah, I thought it was. I, it was pretty good. It's thing. quite
0: intense, but I did enjoy it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, Uncut Gems as well. This, this is kind of, it definitely feels like a precursor to it. So, a lot of the shots are. I mean, I'd say most of the film is all like close-ups on people. So even just them like walking through a house, I remember there was a shot of the back of Robert Pattinson's neck as he was just walking through an apartment, and it kind of, it really helps make you feel kind of claustrophobic and everything's tense and frantic and moving all around you. So, uh, good directing as I'd seen before, which was good.
3: Yeah,
1: there's also quite quite a bit of like shaky cam, but like used in a good in a good way to help build the tension because like, yes, you, in a lot of films you can just you can go overboard and use that too much where I didn't get that impression here i think it was used effectively
2: yeah and the... i didn't feel like i wanted to throw up or anything
1: <laughs> yeah
2: cuz that can happen with loads of close up shots um the tension was also helped by like a great soundtrack
4: oh yeah the soundtrack loads was really
2: of, good. like, pulsing synthesizers um, there was also a bit in the hospital scene with where it was like loads of percussion because it was trying to be more quiet, tense, and I liked that as well. But it it also knew which scenes didn't need music, which can sometimes be a problem. Of yeah. If, if people... Sometimes it feels like the director's insecure. They're like, oh, no, this scene doesn't feel tense enough. I need to add scary music. But I... I, I didn't feel that they did that at any point
1: there was a, a review we saw on imdb before we re- watched the film that was complaining that the soundtrack was too loud and like <laughs> it i just guess... said it was Turned t- the, the whole thing down. was
2: too loud
1: didn't it yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't really i didn't really get that because at times like i actually had to turn the volume up for it but that just might be me yeah.
0: <laughs> um, i saw sometimes they didn't necessarily have to use the soundtrack as you were saying so you know so in the scene where the scene where they're in is it called Adventureland or something yeah the theme yeah. park that's that sort of creates a really claustrophobic atmosphere with like the obviously the lights and the sounds from the theme park yeah i really like that scene that was yeah.
2: groovy i i let's let's go to scene highlights i also like the um the original like bank robbery because there wasn't really any dialogue they were just passing notes back and forth between this person and a counter uh so that helped it keep really tense and you could tell they were on edge even though they have masks on so you could see nothing of their face just they managed to still look really nervous and on edge I, i don't know how they managed to do that but that was cool
1: the re- really weird thing about that scene, though, is, like, there's sort of the juxtaposition of how it's obviously morally wrong because it's a bank robbery, but then there's also the fact that um, Connie's trying to get the money to help pay for uh, for Nick's. I don't remember what it was like therapy or something. Well, I think it is a
2: bit ambiguous. But it doesn't actually say.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah. but, then there's, but then there's, also then there's also. Because the you
2: find, find out later on that. The Connie, Robert Pattinson, has some kind of lover I you assume. Uh, and they say about like that they were going to go on some kind of escape. And
3: Jesus, he was also he really, was specific,
2: yeah. <laughs> and he was really specific at the bank, like saying sixty five thousand uh, dollars. Hmm. and that could be enough to kind of start somewhere new in some other country, like she was saying. So he may have had selfish motives and just dragged in his mentally disabled brother.
0: So,
1: but then I guess
0: I was just gonna say also in that scene, there's also quite there's also sort of a juxtaposition between, um, obviously Connie who's sort of uh set it all up and he's like really in control, and then obviously Nick who's kind of struggling to deal with it. That sort of makes it more tense.
1: Yeah, but then, like, that was sort of what I was going to say, in that there's also the the fact that it feels like there's sort of a... It shows the highlights of their relationship together. Like, and I guess it could be interpreted in two ways. It could be... You could go the, the good way, in that he's dragging his brother into it, but he's really supportive of his brother. He knows what to say. Um and see like when they're out of the bank and everything he's like really nice to him and it's like you did great we couldn't have done this without you you know um but then i guess the other interpretation is he's being selfish um and then he he just runs away whilst his brother is like struggling and it's like smashes in that door and is like behind him um yeah uh, there's not actually that many
0: scenes in the film with both of them in, because I know that Nick has quite minimal screen appearance, but it's sort of interesting to sort of look at uh, Connie's motives when you you don't actually see much of them together, but obviously when they do, then he's like really supportive.
2: Yeah, because yeah. it's interesting, because you don't know why he wants the money, but then he does want to get his brother out of jail. So you don't know if he's kind of thinking he wanted to get this money for himself to go on this escape or whatever and then when he realises he's done something wrong he tries to fix it but unfortunately ends him in going in a downward spiral of doing worse things which
4: eventually leads in spoilers in his arrest
3: hmm.
4: yeah
2: um one thing that I did find was that the first bit was really like kind of shooting through the pace. And the whole thing does feel fast-paced, but there were certain points that felt slower than others. I did not feel it all yeah. the time, but uh the section where he's in the woman's house from the hospital that he stays in, he does seem to kind of spend a while just watching TV and stuff.
1: I'm getting a little intimate with the girl who's... Um... One year, one year <laughs> younger than the age of consent in New York.
0: Yeah, bit, a little bit dodgy. But I is guess he sort of like trying awesome. to distract her from seeing him he, on the television? Yeah. But even it though, just... how can she not work out that something <laughs> suspicious is happening there? I don't know. Yeah,
1: she's she's <laughs> a, like, either incredibly sweet and naive, or also just incredibly gullible because there's so many things that happen around her and she just doesn't seem to question them. Like That is true, yeah. Also, I can't remember. Did, did they ever get... Like, she was taken away in the police car. Did they ever get her? I don't think they did.
2: Well, she didn't really do anything wrong.
1: Yeah, but they just kind of abandoned her.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, yeah, well, it kind of shows that he doesn't really care about other people Mm. that's part of why you're not sure on his motives because he doesn't seem to take into account what may happen to other people whenever he does stuff
0: yeah because the whole way through it literally just follows him and then all the other characters in it sort of just in one section of his story and then you never see them again yeah Mm.
2: you never find out what happens with a it leaves quite a bit of stuff ambiguous, but I I think I do like that. Because <laughs> sometimes if movies just tell you what happened, it can be annoying. For example, there's in the first scene, which I really enjoyed actually, where it's Nick talking to this therapist. Uh, and you, it's quite tense and uh, emotional, which is pretty good. And you find out something, there's something wrong between Nick and his grandma. uh, and you actually see the grandmother a bit later on but on the news and she makes it sound like these two brothers have done some kind of wrong to her so you you never know what's happened there
1: Hmm. The the opening scene was quite weird because it sounded like he was getting along just fine with his memories of like the event and obviously they'd be a little skewed because he's like mentally handicapped but then uh connie just bursts in um as like he he doesn't want to be here he hates it you know you be you're abusing him and all yeah. of that when the therapist didn't seem to be so i don't know i guess that's another way of questioning connie's motives because well as soon was, as he
2: does that it takes him to rob a
4: bank yeah so it's kind of
1: you, weird.
4: Yeah.
0: It's Seventeen minutes time. until the uh, like opening credits as well. Sort of weird.
2: Is that is Why it no? a crazy credit? In fact, it's a crazy credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind and of makes sense Because I mean, yeah, here what what it is. what is it going? The credits are going over the prison sequence, aren't they? Of Nick and
0: prison. Yeah. So literally, mm. you only. S- you only really see Nick before the credits and then right at the end. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Cause you think you see him before, but it turns out to be that random guy. I think he's called Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what did you think about the bit where he's telling him about him just getting out of prison and the whole like L S D thing and Adventureland? Did you think it was kind of odd that it cut away to that, or because I mean, I, I when it came on, I was like, "This is pretty cool and quite stylistic. I like it." But when I thought about it, I was like, "Why are we? What's the point of this? This seems a bit random." Yeah,
0: and, yeah, I don't I, know. <laughs> I did initially like it when I watched it, but I just sort of I thought that that uh, character would kind of be expanded after a bit, but he actually it's quite key in the plot.
4: Mm. Yeah, so
0: I think it might have been quite necessary to just set up the the whole thing where they're looking for the money.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, did you, it feels a bit coincidental, if you ask me. But yeah,
2: I guess it was necessary.
1: Yeah, that whole subplot seemed very convenient, but like not as convenient as some of the stuff in Hollywood. Yeah. Like it uh, you could overlook. Not like
2: him. Eleanor Roosevelt turning up and helping them out.
1: Yeah. When the the guy was going on about I'm gonna start that again. When Ray was on about what had happened to him since he'd left prison, it seemed kinda of weird that like so many bad <laughs> bad things happened like in a row. So he like got out of prison, met his met his body, they had something to drink, he goes in like a cab, but then he doesn't have any money and the the driver freaks out and he freaks out and then he jumps out of the jumps out of the the cab and wrecks his face and like after yeah. everything that happened it just seemed that so much had gone wrong for that one guy that was it makes sense i I think and it doesn't feel like everything's gone
2: wrong yeah but Mm. it also felt like it was actually driven by the guy's decision making you know i mean does ray really have to go straight back into his drug dealing friends and then literally instantly go to an arcade peddling this lsd uh yeah i mean obviously it might be unlucky that the police turn up or whatever but i mean getting into a taxi and then saying that you've just got out of prison is going to freak someone out yeah i think that him leaping out of the taxi helps set up and foreshadow his terrible decision making that leads to him uh climbing out the window in the security guard's apartment and where he ends up falling to his death. Hmm. That was pretty, like... I, I feel like I should have seen it coming, but I just assumed that he'd be able to climb down. And then he just falls yeah. off.
0: I was like, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> There he goes. Even though you don't have any reaction from Connie.
4: Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah, he doesn't do anything, does he? No. He just kind of... And that's a last receive him as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah it is yeah
1: because the, se- the, the film ends on like an oddly optimistic note where like Nick was, is back with his therapist and then he kind of like enters a class for other mentally handicapped people and they all seem to be having a good time which was kind of an odd juxtaposition to the rest of the movie but I guess it was artistically done so how you know, long well, like, after
0: it, is that meant to be? Uh,
1: um, it can't be too it's like long after. like he's fully
0: healed from just beating up. Yeah. yeah but, but you it
4: don't really see long him after, after, because, after that's like,
0: happened. <laughs> yeah, but it was, they kind of left it where it looked like he was almost going to be beaten to death.
2: Yeah, but I, I suppose hmm. it makes you sound like there's been a trial for um his brother to go and not only do trials take a while, it can also take months for them to actually before they actually happen. Yeah. And then also him agreeing to do these therapy classes, it sounds like he said he made the right decision. But that could have also been him confessing. Um yeah. so it would have been a while. And it also from it changes from when you've seen him uh Connie like pull Nick out of the therapy before when it might have actually been helping him to then, when he's not in Nick's life, he then does the therapy classes, and it seems to, he seems to join in. It start he starts off a bit wary, but then kind of crosses the room. Although it is a bit depressing the stuff that he does, because he says like, uh, falling out with his family and being blamed for something he hasn't done. Mm. But uh, it it kind of also shows that, Connie was such a negative part of his life even though he because I remember there was a phone call with his grandmother again of where he was saying that Connie's the only one that actually cares about him and it kind of shows how
4: manipulated he's been by Connie hmm
3: yeah um, yeah that's weird that, that,
4: you know when um, Connie was he went to the house and then he was on the phone yeah. Who was he calling there? I think he was uh, calling. I don't his know. <laughs> to be honest. What like, is he was just calling his mom. About I think his mum. Yeah, it was his I mum. Mean, his... but...
1: Yeah. Because he was I on a boat. So. He was saying, like, come pick us up from this house. Unless, like. I
4: don't know. It
2: could have been his uh... girlfriend. girlfriend or whatever. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That just seemed a bit odd that that was sort of
0: never mentioned again.
2: Yeah, I I, I forgot about that. There's a few odd things that don't seem to come back up. But it it doesn't ruin it too much, I don't think.
1: Uh, I mean, I forgot the girlfriend existed until you mentioned
2: her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Robert Pattinson was great as Connie.
3: Hmm.
2: Obviously, He's been doing well keeping himself out of the whole Twilight scene to try and escape just becoming a bland teenage heartthrob actor and doing these kinds of more independent films. And I mean he's, he's such a great actor. He was really good in this kind of yeah. you're not too sure what he's always thinking but you can definitely tell what he's feeling. Yeah.
4: Uh,
0: it's almost as if he always seems to have a Certain element of control, even though it's just complete chaos. What's happening to him?
2: Yeah, and I really liked that scene of him kind of having this superiority thing with Ray, where basically Ray says like, "Oh, you think you're better than me," and then he goes, "No, I am better than you." Oh yeah. And has this rant about Ray being off welfare and uh, draining. Society, but you never actually see R- Connie do anything productive either. Yeah. And you can't tell if, if he actually is an idiot and thinks he's superior or if this is kind of him taking it out on himself.
1: I guess something else that's quite cool is, um, like, I saw that only Robert Patterson and Benny Safdie, who played Nick, actually had scripts the film and all of the other actors were just given like a really detailed background of what the characters like and they sort of improvised and reacted to it so yeah i guess that's kind of interesting because especially with like ray the way that he's reacting to things especially in like the um in like the fairgram
0: yeah Yeah, because with a lot of the other characters uh, so like his girlfriend and also the security guard and Ray they're sort of like acting more out of emotions whereas um,
4: even Nick and especially Connie are obviously more like uh, controlled over over what they're doing so
0: that might be linked with sort of not having a script
1: yeah, yeah, it could be subconsciously sort of driving home the fact that Connie has... con, Well, like, he doesn't have control, but like you said earlier, that sort of sense that he does over all of the um all of the things going on to him, yeah. you still sort of get the sense that he is in control. Which yeah. might be to do with the fact his part was scripted.
3: It's... Uh, it-
2: apparently Connie Nikas was written specifically for Robert Pattinson because he'd mm. he literally emailed them about a poster from a movie that they'd done I think I think they did this movie heaven knows what uh yeah and he just said he liked the energy of the poster and wanted to work with them <laughs> and they did they wrote an entire script uh and there's loads of other cool stuff they did like. Uh, of, you said about the supporting cast not having the actual scripts. They also did, they hired real policemen for the mall chase scene and did it while, the, while it was open to the public. And some of the customers even tried to stop the police from chasing the actors, which uh, is pretty great. <laughs> also, all the film locations weren't locked down. So, obviously, Robert Pattinson being in Twilight, this massive film franchise, they were worried about people noticing him. But not a single person did, and no picture was taken during the entire shoot of him. Uh, <laughs> and they were—they told them if anyone would stop that they'd be working on an untitled social work project. Uh, Pattinson stayed in character off screen so that he wasn't recognised. And... You know the security guard apartment thing? Yeah. yeah. When they were in the lift, one of the local residents asked Robert Pattinson if he was Bradley Cooper's security guard because they heard <clears> a movie <throat> was being shot starring Bradley Cooper. And the great thing is, I'm pretty sure that Robert Pattinson would be pleased with that because <laughs> he's just yeah. that kind of guy. It's, it's really odd being such a massive film franchise and then just not really wanting all the fame that comes with it. It's pretty cool.
4: That did help to make it a lot more authentic. Yeah. Hmm. I've actually never heard of this film before.
3: No. I Uh, I I
2: only heard of it because I watched a video on Robert Pattinson's career. Uh, And this film came up because... It's because of the new Batman film coming out with him on. They're like, let's okay. have a look back at what he's done. Because he's basically done a load of more independent projects after Twilight, which is seems to have worked. It seems to be a really good idea. If you don't want to be only known for one thing, do what Robert Pattinson's done. Hmm. And now he gets to come back and be Batman. Because he is actually a really good actor. I think that's the problem, is that sometimes people can be written off if they do some big thing. When they are actually good actors, yeah, it could even be quite depressing for people, I suppose, if they feel like people don't actually credit them for the work they've done. Mm. But I am just guessing now,
0: so yeah, I can
4: imagine if he just known for one character,
0: it can also Mm. it can almost just be like, what's the point in the rest of my career? I might as well
4: just stop now. But be sort of doing more independent projects then. But, yeah, I think that's good.
1: Yeah, like I heard that um, the actor who did Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original trilogy was like, he he was pretty old. So by the time he was doing Star Wars... It's Alec Guinness, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was one, it, it was one of his later roles. And he's sort of got typecast for it a little bit, and I think he just got really frustrated that Star Wars just overlooked all of the stuff he'd done in the past. So... He was
2: in Bridge on the Wither Kwai. <laughs> I didn't even know this, I've not really looked at it. I knew he was a big actor because they didn't have any yeah. money to pay him with, so he took some yeah. royalties from the toys, thinking like, oh, I guess this will have to do. <laughs> and I think he was the most well-paid out of all the actors because, obviously... <laughs> Star Wars toys are pretty big. Mm. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think a lot of the cla- I think um, a lot of the cast kind of said that he sort of guided a lot of them
4: uh, when they were acting. Yeah. Alec, Alec Guinness. Yeah. Hmm. He seems pretty cool. Yeah. R.I.P. Alec Guinness.
2: Indeed. When? When? When was that? He might be a bit late. We're, we're 20 years late. <laughs> <laughs> a random tangent here. But... <laughs> yeah, a random yeah. tangent on Alec Guinness. <laughs> RIP Alec Guinness 20 years ago. <laughs> he was 86. Wow.
4: Is he the best Obi-Wan? Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, Ewan McGregor, he is a lad, but I mean, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, he's got nothing on my, my man Alec. Yeah, uh,
2: I mean, he also you and McGregor also has the disadvantage of being in the prequels.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who delivered the "Hello there" line better? Alec Guinness. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's less iconic, but you know. <laughs> Also, to be fair, this is the last thing we're going to say on this random tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Like you and McGregor, like spent lots of time like trying to um, mimic Alec Guinness's performance and like pay tribute to him by like studying all of the like how he approached the role and tried to make it so that he was like a younger version of Alec Guinness. cool so um good time no, that's
0: just a bit, a bit of an unrelated note but yeah there you go we can add that to the star wars section now on the website <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes
2: uh plug the website ben come on this is your chance
1: oh let's go well we've got a website it is entertainment of wordpress dot and it wow. has a, a list of all of our episodes and a little hall of fame where you can see the best from each category. And we've only done three horror things, so Birdemic is third. <laughs> the is this best be horror film of
4: all time. Is this going to be new category? Pardon? What, Good time, to... Gonna... Have we done any... Do we not what have a cast category or as? anything?
0: I
1: don't
4: think
1: I don't we've think done so. any... Yeah, well... I guess this is gonna be the best thriller for some time. <laughs>
4: if we give it like zero out of ten, it's still gonna be the best thriller. <laughs> I mean, we... go on. I, I I was just wondering if you
2: wanted to wrap up our thoughts on this and give our ratings.
1: Yeah. Sorry about this. Yeah. I don't think this episode has been the best structured, but <laughs> <laughs> like four minute tangent of that Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Um our thoughts on it. Well I thought it was, it was
2: pretty good. Very stylistic. Uh pacing was generally all fast and really added to the suspense uh, I would say 7.5 is a good rating
4: Um, I'll just say I also really like the use of colour in the film yes that is also
2: good actually I've just remembered that I mean Pattinson did like the neon colours of that poster so they probably (laughs) were like alright let's get loads of neon then for him yeah
0: Hmm. I also having not um heard of it before as I said. I also really enjoyed it uh
4: there's a seven point four on IMDB. I'll probably give it a give it a seven. Cool. Yeah, I'd probably
1: go with a seven. like it was in, it was enjoyable. Um very stylistic um but then I just felt that maybe <laughs> the The plot was quite thin at times, like the the whole thing about the about the the drugs and that whole side plot getting the sprite bottle and everything that seems just i don't really know how to put it; it just seems unnecessary, even though it kind of did drive the story along but yeah. i I don't personally know what what like they could have done better, I just feel that. <laughs> in an unhelpful, unconstructive way that it wasn't as good as it could be. So he's seven. Yeah.
2: I think um, maybe I'm slightly biased having watched another one of their films before because I've seen Uncut Gems. So I kind of know that it's not going to have this... I mean, obviously the plot has this clear goal, but it's not going to have this proper linear these are the plot beats kind of driving force but still be fast paced. So I don't know how to explain it. It's not like there's kind of this event, then this event, then this event. I mm. I knew going in it was just kind of gonna be flung forward, so I'm kind of used to
0: that style that they do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have probably given it an eight, nine or ten if it wasn't so loud. <laughs>
3: if it was just a course. little bit more quiet it was,
1: if, if I, it was <laughs> I would have a bit loud a, <laughs> solid 10.0 if it wasn't so loud <laughs> of like, course sound guys need to chill
4: sound guys yeah. probably had a sip on that sprite bottle cool so mm-hmm. I guess. Any recommendations? Last week?
0: Yeah. Do you wanna go first, Ben?
1: Uh sure. I actually have a recommendation this week.
2: <gasps> what is it?
1: It is a film called Scanners. Um and it was an eighties film and it's like sci fi horror, I guess. Um and it basically... The plot... It's not got the strongest plot, but it's enough to, like... It suits the film, so there's still, like, a, a lot of mystery around it. So basically, like, in this world, there's lots of people with, like, telepathic abilities um, who are called scanners, Um and so they can like read people's minds, influence their thoughts, and like move their arms to do different things. Um and there's this corporation who wants to use them. Um but then they give a demonstration and like to the public and someone comes up to uh like be demonstrated on. But it turns out that he's also a scanner and like kills the other one and it turns out there's this whole band of people who are led by like a rogue scanner um who essentially want to create more scanners and like overthrow the people who have like tossed them aside because like society in general looks down upon them um and so the protagonist is this um this new scanner um who's impl- like who becomes a sort of spy for the company, and he goes underground to try and find this uh this leader and uh basically it's about what he finds out about the nature of scanners and who the person the leader really is, and so his perceptions slightly changed, and it's it's cool. Uh, not Ooh, the... it's.
2: I noticed it's David Cronenberg. He's he's a cool guy. I've watched one of his films. I've watched Videodrome.
1: Oh, Videodrome's really good. That was yes. that was actually the reason I watched this because I saw Videodrome first and looked up some of his. Alright.
2: Cool. Videodrome guess... is pretty weird though as well. <laughs> it's yeah. really Messed up. Yeah. But I did enjoy it.
1: Yeah. While well, we're at it. There you go. Videodrome's another one.
2: Videodrome as well is a good film. What else has he done? He's done The Fly. Uh, yeah. that's supposed to be good. Stephen King's Dead Zone. He did Scanners yeah. 2.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Scanners a... 2 and 3. Did he do 3? Did he actually do 3? They three came out... Yet? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but they came out in the same year. So it's oh, like he Matrix didn't... Two and 3. He
2: didn't do Scanners 2, sorry. It was someone else. Oh, yeah, they Scanners did come out in the same got year. Scanners 3 4.4. And then there's Scanner's mm. Cop, <laughs> right? Oh dear. Scanner Cop, which has the exact same poster as Scanner's 3. And then there's Scanner Cop 2.
1: What? Okay, this film, right, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it, does, it did not need a sequel. I think I'm going to have to Can watch wait, the does have four films. Yeah, I'm talking about one sequel, let alone four films. <laughs> Scanner Cop 2? What's wrong with that? Psycho all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the, the ending was, like, a little weird and confusing, but, like, I don't think it needed to be expanded on.
2: What about okay. Scanners, Doppelgainers, that came out <laughs> in 2015?
0: It's a Doppelgamers. gamers. D- gamers.
2: Uh. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> 2015, <laughs> it's got six reviews. Uh. Oh, it, I mean, a- it looks great.
1: Oh, gainers. Do that next week. I thought, you were just, I thought you were just pronouncing doppelgangers, weirdly.
2: Nope. doppelgainers. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's... That looks brilliant. Argentina. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's only got six ratings. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> it's got no written reviews. Oh, oh. that is a shame. Oh, well, that's so uh, sad. I, okay, <laughs> I've got a recommendation, and it isn't Scanners, Doppelgainers, unfortunately.
1: What is it? Scott, the Scanners <laughs> call. Uh,
2: it's a film that I was pleasantly surprised by, called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I mean, it's it's a pretty popular film, so you may have heard of it before. W- which I mean, I thought it was just going to be some standard high school drama, but it was actually it's pretty dark for. It's only a twelve A which is questionable uh, because there's like drug use and stuff, but it's quite a dark, almost, it doesn't have a plot, but I was definitely fine with that because it was almost like a character study uh, Mm. of the main character who's this kind of standard wallflower almost. Uh, And the audience acts as a wallflower as well, just watching these people's lives play out and what happens to them. And uh, it's got... Uh, Emma Watson in I'm worried that I've got her name wrong but I can't, that is (laughs) that is the name yeah, Hermione right (laughs) yeah Emma Watson Uh, and Ezra Miller as well brilliant performance and it's just this, it's really good yeah it's it's pretty dark Uh, yeah Paul Rudd is in it as well as an English teacher and you just slowly discover this stuff about these characters and at the end it gets really dark and you kind of see what's been wrong with the protagonist or what what's caused him to be the way he is because you, you get hinted at something that's gone wrong in his childhood so it's really interesting and there's some great moments in it like about and just themes of being like a teenager and stuff bits that'll make your spine tingle I mean the script is so brilliant
4: so yeah, you should watch that. Oh. Cool. Uh, I've also got some
0: uh, recommendation, and it is a different form of entertainment to what we have done.
3: Ooh. It's not a
0: film or TV show. It's not a book
3: or analysis album. Is it's of
0: it? Is it a board game? It's a video game. A video game. Ooh. Ooh. Edgy. And it's, it's a. I'll show you a video game about something. We- <laughs> Well, unexpectedly talked about, which is Star Wars. Scanners, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doppelgainers. Uh, <laughs> That's right, it's a uh, doppelgainers the game. Doppelgainers.
1: <clears> Talking <throat> <laughs>
0: together. Wow. Video
3: game.
0: It's Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. Um, which is like an open world. Campaign game set after Order 66, and the playable protagonist is Cal Kestis. And it basically tells the story of uh Esther tracked down something called a Holocron, which uh basically he can locate all four sensitive children. So they're trying to like rebuild up the Jedi. And the story start off with it, it's a bit odd because basically you have to flip between planets to like get a, a key, then you have to go back to another planet to open the vault, then you have to go to another planet to get a key and then go back. So it's quite a lot of sort of flitting around, but uh, it does. The ending is well, the actual ending itself is quite disappointing uh there's quite a lot of cool bosses along the way. Uh there's some the planet exploration's really good. It has planets like Kashyyyk and uh Dathomir. And there's also like options to sort of go outside of the story and uh explore the planets. Go for try and get uh, like customization options. Um it's also got really good uh Lightsaber combat and um, it there's different obviously, there's like stormtroopers, um, there's different sort of animal based bosses, and then once you sort of complete each planet, you have to fight against well, the main antagonist is the second and ninth sister, uh, there's someone on Dathomir I can't remember his name, then there's a, like a big surprise at the end of the game it's supposed to
4: be getting a sequel I think Uh, it came out last year I did I played it a while ago but I think
0: it's definitely one of the best like sort of Star Wars releases uh, I guess since 2015 with uh, Force Awakens so I would recommend that if you're a fan of Star Wars
4: I think I've think I actually got it Well my brother bought it yep nice I definitely didn't have to look up Order
2: 66 because I'm a fake Star Wars fan
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, you fake fan
2: sorry for not watching the prequels
0: you haven't so actually sad.
2: seen I have but when I was about eight <laughs> do I really want to You've rewatch seen that episode the prequels one about
0: 10 times Oh, Episode... I saw that loads. Because Episode I always 10 just, um, I or... was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch the whole series again, and just stop after that." <laughs> you watch oh, four yes. first.
1: No, well, you idiot! You do them in chronological order, and then you don't get to the actual ones because the prequels are so <laughs> terrible. No, you watch yeah. four, five, six, seven, one,
2: two, three, then seven, eight. They'd nine, nine,
1: four,
0: three. They'd also see *Fantastic* in the cinema. It was in 3D. Well, supposedly oh,
2: yeah. 3D. Oh. It wasn't. Uh, three it was when it first all, came out, right? Apart from, like, the uh, Polaris. You were three years <laughs> that was four
1: Yeah. <laughs> four years, even. Another weird <laughs> tangent <laughs> to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 10 of Entertainment of Excellence, Star Wars, all of them. <laughs> including the including holiday the special.
2: Clone Wars. We'll balance it out with some Star Trek next
0: week. Hmm. Or what yeah. are we going to do, Doppelgainers? <laughs> scanners, doppelgainers.
1: <laughs> We'll Have to schedule that for a future episode.
2: You don't know, like really how the name costs as well. There's a battle between uh, Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans sometimes. There's a battle yeah, between a Star Trek fan. <laughs> there's a battle between like scanners and scanner cop. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so.
1: <laughs> Probably is. But the Scanner Cop fan's be probably just like, one neckbeard in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> just like, he's got all the Scanner Cop posters on his walls, so he's got like, he's playing in the background on the Scanner
2: Cop movies. Wait, Scanner yeah. Cop 3?
4: Oh no!
2: <laughs> oh, oh, it doesn't exist.
1: Oh, that's what? so sad.
2: That is so sad. Is there a Scanner <laughs> Cop fan website? Uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but I need to know.
0: Yeah, that's it. We're gonna have to put in the title Good Time plus Star Wars, plus Scanners. Plus scanners.
2: Plus <laughs> Scanner Cop. No! I can't
0: find a plus Scanner Cop. Plus Scanner Cop, plus Scanners <laughs> Why is there no
2: Scanner Cop um, fan website? Oh, that's so sad. Look, an article rated it D+, that's pretty good. <laughs> <coughs> Or oh, nice. two out of five stars because it's a moderately enjoyable horror movie that suffers for its cast and script. What's wrong with that?
1: What's wrong with suffering for a cast and script? Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, two so, out of five stars. Of That's really film. good. <laughs> That's like better than Birdemic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cool. Anyway, before we bore you any longer with more scanner cop and scanner doppelgangers, scanner cop is
2: not boring.
1: <laughs> well, I think I'm going to make the scanner cop website. Do it. Do it right now.
2: I-, I want to type in scannercop.com, but I'm scared of what all <laughs> what like viruses science. I could get. <laughs> uh, okay, uh... What a beautiful way to leave off the episode. <laughs>
1: Mm. Yeah. Alright, I'll, I'll make it even better. Don't ever go on JarJarBinks.com <laughs> 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 It's just not a
2: JarJarBinks fan site.
1: It's not wait, 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 we to need to... Watch Jar Jar so
2: wait, before, before we go... So, before we go, we need to uh, please leave a review because we need to find out how to not be terrible. Also, mm. maybe you could recommend a film to watch? Mm?
1: Mm. Yeah, you you can leave a comment. You can uh, subscribe to the, our blog on the website. You can contact us via the contact form there. You can messages on Twitter and Instagram. Both are at ERV Podcasts, where we we post like clips of the episode there now, with like so many hashtags you can can't even see the original post. <laughs> um,
0: Hopefully, I yeah. can. Get the in- the intro right next time.
1: Well, for the tenth episode, we'll just create a intro gone wrong reel. Bloopers, <laughs> long-awaited return of the bloopers. Anyway, thanks for listening. Leave a review, please. Please, <laughs> and you can share us with your friends and family because no one's got anything else to do during lockdown.
2: Yes, please. Give us money.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. All right, see you. All right, right, see see you.